You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, people? Welcome to Pain Points. I'm your host, Jade Painting. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the KS Supers family. Today, coming to you live post-game after the Minnesota Timberwolves beat the Utah Jazz. They are now 2-0 on the season. The game finished 116-111. Uh, to 111, And um, yeah, as I said, 2-0, 2-0. Good start for the Wolves. To break all of it down, we're going to go, go through the goods and the bads as usual after... After a game, to do all that with me is Tanner uh, Hooper's contributor, Jack Borman. What's going on, Jack? I'm great, man. I'm going to be even better if we if the Wolves can can keep turning in performances like they like they did tonight. Yeah, it makes it pretty easy to to do a podcast straight after it when it's uh, a good win like tonight, and more, even more encouraging, obviously, than than day one with Utah being a better team. And I think the performance in general was just was just better all around. So. A really good night, um, like I did last time after the Pistons game. We're, we're going to do the the bad things first, the things we didn't like from the game. Get those out of the way, and then we'll finish on a high note and finish with the good stuff. Uh, Jack, I'll throw it to you first. What was the first thing that you kind of saw that you didn't like out there tonight? Um, the first so what I what I really did not like was I, I thought Ricky Rubio played really poorly in the third quarter. Um, so the Wolves were up. The Wolves were up eighty-three to sixty-eight with with uh, with three eleven left in the in the third quarter, um, and then Ricky Rubio just started jacking up a ton of shots. Um, he took a he took a really dumb pull-up mid-range shot, and then um, and then from there there was a step back three uh, as well that he shot <laughs> in, in that. Like. Yep, and then he also he also took a really ill-advised layup in transition where he was off balance. I think he thought he was going to get fouled, but. Um, but, but he didn't. And then, and then obviously there was that, that outlet pass, um, <laughs> and then in the fourth quarter where, you know, I just, it was a very un, un Ricky Rubio like, like decision there that, that could have led to, it led to a wide open three in the corner from Bogdanovich that thankfully didn't go in, but that would have made it. Um, I, I think that would have made it like a, a three point game or a four point game after it being a six point game. Um, which could have been just completely disastrous. Um, yeah, it would have it would have made it a six point game um, with about nine minutes left, which which would have been which would have been terrifying. I think if if you were a Wolves fan, um, so so I was just really disappointed with with Ricky Rubio on the third quarter, but but thought that he made up for it in the fourth quarter with with some really phenomenal defense uh, th- that I think I think kind of <laughs> kind of saved his saved his game. Yeah, I, I tweeted out at one point. I think it was probably during that that bad run from Ricky that we we were getting the full Rubio experience in that game. I think at times he was, you know, his shot selection was poor, and obviously the shot making, which has always been a problem for him, 
And then other other times the intangibles were just so clear to see. Like he he tracks down balls, you know, loose balls, rebounds. He he had that really good hockey assist in the first quarter or the second quarter where he made the the bounce pass in transition and then and then Russell hit the corner shooter um, after making the catch. And it was just yeah, at times you have to take the good with the bad with with Ricky. But when the bad just piles on more bad in that, like that third quarter, it gets. Really hard to watch, and I was pretty encouraged with Ryan Saunders, who who hooked him pretty quickly after that that kind of bad spell. Um, and I didn't expect Ryan to do that just because he he has that good relationship with Ricky, and he obviously trusts him so much. But um, yeah, it, it was it was pretty tough watching. And I think I think of all players, um, Rubio kind of looks the rustiest at the moment. Yeah, which is surprising. Um, and and I'm glad that they're kind of letting him play through it. But at the same time, I think that. I think that they really got to consider giving Jarek Culver a little more run over Ricky Rubio. Uh, yeah. Maybe not necessarily to close the game. Um, I, I think tonight would have been an, an instance where I completely understood uh, closing with Jarek Culver over Ricky Rubio, just because I think you could put Culver on um, you could put Culver on Donovan Mitchell, which would allow you to then put Josh Okoge on, on a bigger guy like like a Bogdanovich. Um, or even stick him on Conley. Um, but I think D'Lo on Conley would have been fine just because I think the length bother, bothers Conley. But I, I just think that there's going to come a point in time where I think um, you start to consider whether or not Ricky Rubio is the guy you want to close with. Um, but but on the bright side tonight from Rubio, um, you know, he did have six assists and only one turnover, uh, which is which is great. And if he can continue to to take care of the ball like he did tonight, I think that that there's no reason that that he's not going to get uh, like the 27 minutes that he got tonight. Yeah, well, I think we we discussed it, you know, at length after the trade, but I think it kind of all boils down to the simple fact of how well is Rubio shooting in, in terms of the end of the game stuff that you were just talking about, like especially when they're running wedge action into Towns post ups over and over. Um, obviously there's going to be doubles that come at towns and there need to be shooters around him. Um, and if Rubio is hitting 32% of his threes, then it becomes a little bit more untenable to have him uh, out on the on the floor at, at the end of crunch time games, especially when you have a ball handler like D'Angelo Russell who can clearly take the lion's share of, of ball handling responsibilities. And then if you have a guy like Jared Culver, like you were saying, who's, who hit all three of his threes tonight... Um, you know, maybe maybe he's the guy you want spotted up in the corner rather than than Ricky, and and not to mention the stuff that you, that you said about the the point of attack defense and the the ability to throw multiple defenders out there with him and Josh on the floor. But yeah, I think Ricky is is one of the guys I'm not as worried about just in terms of general play and you know what how what he can do to impact the team because we've seen what he can do over a number a number of years on a number of different teams. But right now, it's not it's not. Uh, the prettiest Ricky I've ever seen. Yeah, and and like you said, with Culver spotting up in the corner, I mean, tonight when he spotted up in the corner, he was two for two from three right in front of the Wolves bench, um, hit the same shot, didn't hit the rim um, on two possessions in a row, which which was just fantastic. And then the third um, one was the third one was out of a Towns post-up where, you know, as soon as that double came, Towns, yeah, Towns kicked it well, out it was to a, him. It was a triple team that, that came at Cat because yeah. he, he flashed across the middle of the paint onto the strong side of the floor and he got the ball, kicked it to her, was going to kick it to, I think it was Malik in the corner at that point. And then Jarrett was just wide open. There wasn't anybody within like six feet of him um, from the left, left pocket there and just 
was was draining it. And so, um, and yeah, I guess I guess kind of this takes me into to the next point that I have is that uh, you know the Wolves have gotten zero production, zero points still through two games from <laughs> from their power forward spot uh, from Layman and Wancho, and they and they played a combined nineteen minutes tonight. Layman only played fourteen minutes, did not attempt a shot. Um, Wancho played five minutes, um, and only took one shot. Um, and you know, it's, I'm surprised that Wancho is seemingly out of the rotation this early, but I mean, there's just no reason to play him if, if, uh, you know, if he's going to continue to, to not even really battle on the boards, not hit shots. Um, and just fall asleep on defense. I, I just, I, I don't understand the need. Like, I, I don't think there's a need to play him. I understand that you paid him $7 million and you don't want that to be a bad look, uh, or $7 million a year. But at the same time, if the Wolves are going to make a trade, um, I don't think it's hard to get off a, a $7 million contract or send, you know, Wancho and a couple second round picks to, you know, to, to a team that's looking to take on a contract. Um, well, yeah, once, especially once he's if it's, eligible it, to be traded. Yeah. If it's a team like, like Houston, obviously PJ Tucker is the guy that the name gets thrown around a lot. And that's only going to happen when, even when Harden gets traded. Right. And you know, the sky, the sky's falling there. And, and once the fire sale starts, I, I doubt that they care about taking on uh, two years at seven million, and then a team option that they can just decline. Like that's what bad teams do. That's what rebuilding teams do. They take on bad contracts so they can, you know, facilitate trades because then they know they're not going to compete straight away. So I, I agree. I don't think he, you know, when March third comes and passes, that he will be a complete, you know, anchor on the team and a guy you can't move off from at all. But I'm I'm super surprised as well that he's already out of the rotation, and that's not because. He deserves to be in it the way he's playing. Like, he's been awful, but uh, more just that we all expected, I guess, Ryan Saunders to kind of be a little bit of a of Gerson Rosas puppet in that in that sense where, you know, Rosas is the one who gave him the money and, and he probably wants to see him thrive and see him play more minutes and, and uh, justify that investment. But Saunders seems to have kind of just uh, taken charge there and said, look, we're trying to win games. And Juancho Hernan Gomez isn't helping us win games at the moment. And we're going, we're going super duper small, and Josh Atogi is going to be our four, and Anthony Edwards. You know, I saw you tweet earlier. Anthony Edwards played all of his minutes, or practically all of his minutes at that time, as a four. So if if you if you're playing wings at, at four, um, all of a sudden you know Wancho becomes a little bit redundant, and and so does Layman to a sense because if you know you start the game if you're playing, it's a bit different tonight because. Uh, Lehman did start guarding Bogdanovich and, and Akogi uh, guarding Mitchell, but they clearly want to play four wing, you know, three wings, a point guard and a center. And um, Lehman and Wancho kind of aren't that. They, they're almost more power forwards exclusively at this point. Yeah. And uh, so like you, like you alluded to, I, I have Anthony Edwards playing. So how many, how many minutes? Anthony Edwards played 22 minutes and I have him playing power forward just in terms of who he was guarding. Anthony Edwards played power forward for all but three minutes and 15 seconds. So about 18 and a half minutes, Anthony Edwards played power forward tonight. He had 18 points on eight of 12 shooting and he was a plus six and he had two steals. Um, 
so I, I think that Saunders was really experimenting there. Um, we saw lineups that had uh, Anthony Edwards at the four and Jarrett Culver at the three. We had a lineup that that also had um, Anthony Edwards at the four with uh, with with Josh Okogie at the three, which I thought was was interesting. And I think we could end up getting a lineup at some point that features, you know, Rubio at the one Culver at the two Okogie at the three and Edwards at the four. Um, which I think would be a really interesting defensive lineup and just a lineup that if you need energy, you could turn to. Um, so, so yeah, I think, like you said, you know, we could see a Kogi and, and Edwards be the two that, that are playing the power forward minutes. Um, just considering the fact that the Wolves always have pretty much always have two of Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, and Ricky Rubio on the floor at all times. So there were, again, there was only three minutes and 15 seconds tonight, that exact same three minutes and 15 seconds that, that Edwards played the three instead of the four. Um, that was the only, you know, three minutes and 15 seconds of the game where the Timberwolves did not have two of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Ricky Rubio on the floor, uh, which is significant. And if those guys are those guys are holding their own and playing well in the backcourt, um, I think that just kind of naturally lends itself to playing, you know, two of a Kogi, Culver, and Edwards with one of those guys playing the four. And I think it's obviously going to be Josh and, and Anthony. Um, so so that's just going to be that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow, especially coming especially tomorrow. Um, with with the Lakers, yeah, and the other option there is uh, is Jared Culver, who's who hasn't featured there as much. But um, going off your a spreadsheet, which Dan, I'll mention at every show that if you're listening, you haven't uh, checked out Jack's spreadsheets during the game. It's pretty much all the lineups. You know, the, the how long they played together, the the plus minus for that lineup. It's a very good tool, and I, I have it open throughout every game, and it's really handy, and especially when we're talking now, but. Culver played, so in the first half, he played three and a half minutes at the four to, to end the half. Um, there were plus seven in that three and a half minutes. And then he played, uh, he played like four seconds or something in the, in the second, uh, the second half. And, and obviously there was, they were dead even there, zero. Um, but like the, the versatility that Saunders has is there. Like that's and just a three minute spell. Jarrett Culver plays the four instead of the three or instead of the two. Um, he, he's on the court with Beasley, Russell, and Rubio for both of those. Um, so really small. They win those minutes. Um, there's just a lot of options that Saunas can throw out there in terms of wings playing the four. And right now, it just kind of seems like to bring it back to the original point that, that Wancho and Lehman are on the outs, kind of. Yeah, you know, I think it obviously makes more sense to keep Lehman just because of his contract. And I also just... yeah trust him a lot more because he's been in the system for longer. And I think, you know, Wancho, we only saw a 20 game sample size of him playing really well. Um, and, you know, I think there's gotta be a shorter lease, a shorter leash, excuse me, um, on, on him than, than layman for sure. Yeah. And that kind of, uh, weaves into, to my first negative, uh, note that I had, and that was the rebounding. Um, they lost the rebound in battle 75 to 52, which is just a massive, you know, discrepancy there. Um, they really lost a lot of juice on the boards when Towns wasn't out there. Uh, Lehman and Lange and Wancho, as we've just discussed, don't really provide any rebounding threat. They had one between them in the, in those 18, 19 minutes that they played, which is just not good enough. And then 
Nas Nas fights, but he he really doesn't have the the strength to outmuscle guys, and he's pretty easily pushed out the way. I think there was a stretch maybe there in the in the second or the third quarter where uh, Nas was playing as the five, and they just could not get a defensive rebound. And especially for a team that that naturally struggles on defense, I know they were really good tonight, but in general they struggle on defense. When you do get a stop. You have to be able to secure, you know, to finish that defensive possession with a, with a rebound. When they don't, it's so de- deflating. You can see their heads drop a little bit. It's it's hard to be a good defensive team if you if you give up a lot of offensive rebounds. And I think that in a, you know on, a, on another night that that might have cost them. Um, Utah had uh, let me just check here twenty offensive rebounds for the night. So that's you know twenty extra chances to score and. Uh, I don't have the second chance points in front of me, but it's it, that's that's not good enough for a team that, like I said, struggles defensively and needs to finish every defensive possession. When you do get someone to miss, you you really need to secure the board and and cap off that defensive play. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think that you know the fact that the Wolves only had twenty eight defensive rebounds and and the Nuggets had, or excuse me, the Jazz had twenty offensive rebounds is pretty crazy to me. Um, I just think that, you know, there needs to be more gang rebounding from, from the Timberwolves. I I think that probably half of those rebounds were guys, um, half of those rebounds were guys, you know, rebounding their little putback attempt for a second, third or fourth time. But at the same time, I think there's plenty of times where guys get caught ball watching instead of, instead of tracking down the ball. Um, and I think that's something that the Timberwolves are really going to have to address um, if if they want to continue to win games. And the reality of the situation is, is that you can't shoot 13 of 29 from three and, uh, <laughs> you know, in every single game. And you can't use that to offset. Like, you can't rely on your three-point shooting to offset being a terrible rebounding team. Um and the wolves have good re- and the wolves have good rebounding guards and Beasley and and Akogi and and those guys need to show up every night and if those guys can keep showing up, um I, I think this wolves team is is going to be just fine. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Is that um the rebounding from the wing is, is fine. I think Malik Beasley works really hard as a rebounder. Um, had a few big ones, you know, late in the game. A Cody battles always will battle for every scrap, you know, that's that's left out there on the court. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you need bigs that rebound. Like yeah. you can get and his if- six, and, and Beasley can get his six, but you need another guy who can get eight plus nightly. Yeah, and if and if those two guys, if 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 Beasley and Akogi can match or out rebound Cat in in every game this year, I, I think that that's going to be a big time development moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, did you have one more bad thing? I've got one more I want to touch on, but it's not it's not overly um, big. And that that was I don't want to harp on it because I, I don't like to do it too much. But the referee was awful tonight. Like I'm not gonna. I don't think that would have been the reason that they lost. I don't think that um, it's something to to harp on and to dwell on too much. But the cat the cat injury, which which we're hoping. Obviously came back on, but we're hoping that that doesn't linger at all. Um, I think that's a glaring no-call uh, where he was clearly thrown to the ground by Gobert. But the ticky-tack fouls that, that only got called on one end was kind of a pretty big part of why Utah were in the bonus for virtually the entire second half. And um, this is probably me just venting my frustration more than, <laughs> than you know, making it a negative note, but I thought that it was 
a pretty tough game to watch at times with the with the tee attack fouls and and the free throws consistently throughout the whole second half. Yeah, the, I I agree with that. I think the the one last negative thing that I had there was uh, I didn't think Cat was aggressive enough whatsoever on offense tonight. Yeah, um, yeah he had nineteen he had nineteen shots, which objectively is good. Um, but to start the game, Malik Beasley had six field goal attempts, and Cat hadn't even had six touches at that point <laughs> on offense. Um, halfway through the first quarter, which I think is pretty egregious. Um, and the other thing too is in the in the second quarter, uh, Gobert was out there playing with three fouls, and and there was one play where where Cat just drew, put the ball on the deck, put his head into Gobert's chest, and went right around him because Gobert couldn't foul him because he had three fouls. Yeah. Um, and then on the next trip down, Cat uh, decides to instead take a step back three. And I'm, yeah. I'm okay with a step back three if, if you're feeling it and it's a heat check because he's the best shooting big man of all time. But at the same time, he's got to be more aggressive in putting the ball in the deck and getting the basket. Because if he gets doubled or tripled on the drive, I'm fully confident in him to uh, to kick out to an open shooter and make the right decision. And ultimately, I did think Cat made the right decision almost every time he had the ball in his hands. Um, but... But I just like to see him be more aggressive because the more aggressive he is, I think the more in rhythm he's going to get. And, you know, if that's able to happen, then then this team is going to be pretty scary. Also, yeah. side note, Robert Covington just won the game for the Blazers with a with a big steal from Harden there at the end. But oh, miss so, you, I know we miss him. Um, but but yeah, so so for me, I just think the cat needs to be more aggressive in going to the basket if his three point shots not falling, especially if his matchup is in foul trouble, because he has the ability to put any de- big defender he faces in jail with um, with foul trouble all night long. So, yeah, I think that's a brilliant point, because I think. I was kind of surprised when I looked at it and saw that he ended up with 19 field goal attempts because I didn't think he was aggressive enough at all. And I think there's still real, not, I wouldn't call it a problem, but real teething issues um, in terms of sorting out the hierarchy throughout the game. In the fourth quarter, it's sorted out because everyone knows that Cat and D'Lo are the guys who are going to win you the game. And they're going to be the guys with the ball in their hands and especially Cat um, when the game's on the line. But throughout the game... The start of the game, like you mentioned, Beasley um, just doing too much. I think I think it must be a directive from the coaching staff to try and get him going early and to try and get him open looks. Because they're running sets for him. They're running handoff plays. They're running pistol action for him. Um, and he's more than willing to, to take every shot he's given and, and jack it up, which I think is a separate issue. But I think you've got to get Towns going early as well and you've got to get Russell going early and Towns is one of those guys where when he starts to, you know, when it is the second quarter and he's only taken two shots, he's prone to shooting bad shots, like the step back three, like you mentioned, the um, kind of hook shots where he's got two on him. I know that he he does make them really, and he's gotten so much better at making uh, really good passes out of the post and and feeding shooters and he, the offense does look so nice with shooters around him for that. But I think that you've got to get Towns going early. You've got to feed the beast. You've got to keep him happy. And then um, maybe that 6 of 19 is 12 of 19 instead. And he has a, a little bit of a better game because I don't think Towns having one shot in the in the first quarter is, is good enough. And I don't think that that's what the coaching staff would be planning for. Yeah. And, and I think that, 
you know, just moving forward, I think if, if they can draw upon, draw upon the good, <laughs> the good parts of, of, of what happened tonight. And especially if you're not getting a great game out of cat, I think that's going to be super key. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's, that's enough complaining. Um, let's get onto the good stuff. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, I'll start. I think that Cats, well, since we're on Cat, I think the Cats defense was, again, very good tonight. Not good for Cat good in general. Um, his positioning, his timing on when to jump and when not to for blocks, um, you know, the discipline the discipline in that aspect and the discipline in all aspects was at a level that we've rarely seen from him. And he's anchoring that defense right now. And they've had pretty, you know, two pretty damn good nights. And, and tonight for until kind of the last quarter when Jordan Clarkson started hitting, you know, whatever he threw up and Donovan Mitchell actually started doing Donovan Mitchell's things, um, that was some of the best defense you can, you've seen from Minnesota for, for quite a long time. And I think Cat was at the center of that. Uh, the, the help side blocks are obviously fun, but it's the, it's the every play things, the positioning, the pick and roll, the, you know, there was multiple times where he got a hand in there on a pick and roll pass, or he just, um, showed, showed at the ball handler and then, and then got back to Gobert on the roll. I think Gobert was frustrated out. So, you know, if he doesn't get those, a uh, couple of putbacks, you know, towards the end of the game, those putback dunks. I think Joe Bears having one of his worst nights ever. Like, Joe, Towns was in Joe Bears' head, and that's not because he was raining threes on him. It's because he was frustrating him defensively. Um, he drew that charge on him when, when Joe Bear faced up, which was one of the ugliest face-up attempts I've ever seen. Um, but, but Cat, like, this is not what we're used to from Cat, and I know that, uh, We've seen it before, and we've seen five game stretches of good defense, and we've never seen you know two, three, four, five month long stretches of good defense. So I want to see that before I, I completely blow my top off with how good Towns is right now. But he he's been awesome. Ninety six point nine defensive rating tonight, second straight game under a hundred. Um, he's usually around one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifteen for a season. So. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I I, I, I spoke about in the last post-game pod. I just think that, that Cat was awesome tonight defensively, and that's why he was allowed to shoot 6 of 19 from the field and still walk away thinking that, that he had a pretty damn good game. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. And if and if Cat's not able to get the shot going, I still think he had a monstrous impact on this game. Right. And, and I think that that's going to be crucial moving forward because if – you know, if he can prove to himself, you know, I'm such a damn good player that that I can get my stuff going, even if even if I'm not shooting it well, I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a huge thing for him to draw upon. And, and I had written down here, you know, as one of my good things was Cat's decision making. Yeah, he had yeah. only three assists and two turnovers, but I'd love to see how many potential assists he had tonight. I thought he made some some terrific. Uh, decisions with the ball when he got doubled in the post. I know that there was one where he's on the right block um, backing down Gobert and he kind of told looked at Ricky and navigated and told him to just 
go yeah. through the go through the lane and then threw a bullet skip pass to Malik Beasley in the opposite corner for a for a three that that kind of helped get things going offensively. And it, and if he can do that and he feels comfortable enough to just direct traffic and make passes like that, kind of like Jokic does, and not feeling the need to to put the ball up and shoot it um, or force it, I think that's going to be that's going to be big, especially if we get you know, Jared Culver and Anthony Edwards and Josh Kogi shooting like they've shot, shot the ball so far this year. Yeah. When you start talking about that's exactly the same play that popped into my mind. Um, and I think that Malik Beasley probably owes Tarnton in towns a couple of dinners from these first few games because Beasley's coming out the gates really cold. And I don't know how many times we're going to see it this season, but I think it'll be a lot where uh, a kind of slow Beasley start gets turned around by a cat pass out of a double team out of the post. Um, because when Beasley's in them corners and wide open and can catch and shoot without having to, to do too much or to come around a screen and pull up, he's he's uber efficient. And that that pass, that play that you were talking about, that's that's exactly what you want to see from Towns when the when the defense collapses on him. And it's it's not like early in his career where he would panic and he would try and you know do a little bit too much in those situations. He just calmly stepped through, um, worked his way into the middle, fired it to Beasley. And, you know, three points. So, uh, I think it's a good point. Cat's decision making, not just defensively, but, but offensively as well. It was really good. Seven assists in the first game, three in this game. I think you can probably expect him to average around five assists. And that's with guys like, you know, Russell and, and Rubio on the floor with him who are noted assist guys. So I just think Towns, uh, has been brilliant to start the season and, it's one of the reasons why this team's two and zero without him having a, a monster game. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the fact that that you know that he's able to recover from shooting just what did he start? What did he start? One of six. Yeah. The fact that he's able to come bounce back from that and finish shooting what is it then six of seven or no six of eleven from the floor? I think yeah. is I think is just incredible for him. And his energy and effort level is there, and. You know, the fact that he's a team high plus 13, like I think that checks out with just a lot of the different energy plays he made. I think he, he had a couple of leak out layups um, in transition in, in the second half that really helped, you know, keep the jazz at bay, um, which is just so, so crucial. I mean, it doesn't really seem like a huge thing looking kind of looking back at it necessarily. But in the moment, those are plays that that help kind of define the game. Yeah, and, and 110 offensive rating as well. I mentioned his defensive rating before. So still well above average for a guy who shot, you know, pretty poorly for the night and, and didn't, uh, you know, blow anyone, you know, anyone away with his stat line. It's just, it's it's what happens when you play well. Like they're the numbers you put up when you play well, even if the box score doesn't associate you with playing well. And I think that Towns was, again, really good tonight. And Another guy who was good, who who I know, I'm sure you had down in one of your good things as well, is is Anthony Edwards. We spoke about his his defense and his and his versatility uh, earlier on on defense, but man, he he was good again offensively. Uh, the the poise, the the confidence, it's so obvious when he's out there. He just doesn't seem like a rookie at all, and that's such a big compliment for a guy who was meant to be, you know, the worst number one pick in, in years, and and really underdeveloped and a guy who needed time to, to get his rhythm and to, to get the feel of the NBA game. And he just walked onto the court and looks like he's a 10-year vet. Um, he's driving to the rim. He's pushing Royce O'Neal out the way like he's a baby. Um, he's 
he's moving Rudy Gobert, two-time defensive player of the year, out the way like he's nothing. Um, the the strength, obviously, the athleticism, the touch around the rim, I spoke on that last podcast, is just elite level already. I just feel like he's not going to miss when he gets to the rim. Um, and, and for the second straight game, I thought he didn't really settle at all, outside of maybe one or two mid-range pull-ups that were kind of ill-advised. I think that he was very disciplined in his shot selection, and that was the big knock coming out coming out of Georgia on him. And I just thought he was awesome. I think he's an X-factor, uh, a true X-factor for this team, and, and their ceiling rises dramatically if he's able to give this kind of scoring punch and, and energy punch off the bench. And again, like it was in the Detroit game, he... he when he comes on, it, it always seems to be in a little bit of a lull when when Minnesota kind of lost a bit of energy and lost a bit of spark. And I don't know if that's uh, coincidence or if it's on purpose by Saunders. I'd say it's probably on purpose that he just seems to be the guy that, that gives this team energy. He just comes out and, and does something straight away. And it's it's so fun to watch. And I don't know how long it's going to continue when, when he's going to go to this player that we all expected him to be, this kind of nervous rookie who who doesn't have his feet under him but but right now he looks like a grizzled vet and it's it's awesome to watch yeah and and my favorite thing about edwards is he just has zero fear he has zero fear and all the confidence in the world in himself um you know we saw two or three different times where he just goes right at rudy gobert i mean there's not a better rim defender in the nba than rudy gobert and he just doesn't care, goes right at him, takes him off the bounce. Bounces um, off him, you know, bounces off bounces him. Bounces off of him, goes yeah. through him, or finishes over him. Yeah. Uh, just being able to do that is is, is really incredible for, for a kid that's just 19 years old. I mean, four years from now, that kid's going to be 23. Think about, I mean, if he's getting better game after game and has already showed the poise, the spatial awareness, the shot selection, uh, the ability to... to play make and make these different passes uh how good was that passing transition we saw we saw saw the left hand wraparound pass and transition from him um i got off my chair so quick i almost went through the roof i got off my chair so quick for that pass man (laughs) i mean mean, this is just stuff we don't see from a rookie let alone a 19 year old rookie who's six foot five and a half and 225 pounds (laughs) i mean the ceiling for this kid is through the roof um and, and just He's got so much that he can build off of and go to. And just the fact that he already understands that he's bigger, faster, and stronger than almost anybody that's going to be defending him is is really just great. Uh, I think that the more that he can dr- use that that strength, quickness, and agility off the dribble to, to kind of get himself going, um, I think is going to be just huge for building confidence for him yeah and, and uh, because and it's tough point, it's tougher to, and it's tougher to get into a rhythm if you're just jacking up jumpers you know what yeah I mean? yeah and i think that's what we saw a little bit in the first you know couple of preseason games and it's a testament to him that how quickly that mentality changed like look you know i the the pull-ups can can go in after i get myself going and the way to get myself going is to get to the rim and to put pressure on the rim and get some easy buckets because when i get there these wings can't stop me. These dudes who play the four, you know, Royce O'Neal can play four in the NBA for any team in the league. And there was multiple times where he just, like, babied him. He took him to the rim and he dropped him off underneath it and said, here, I'm going to give you a bucket and you can do whatever you want with that. Like, it's to your point about the confidence and the, and the no fear, it's it's almost like 
I don't know how to explain it. It's not that he does. It's almost like he doesn't care, and it's not that he doesn't care in a Andrew Wiggins way. It's that he just doesn't. He's just going to go out and ball, and he doesn't care that you're all you know ten years older than him or that you've all played three hundred more NBA games than him. Like he's just going to go out there and give you buckets like he has at every level that he's been at. And um, I love it. I love Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I, and the fact that he's said multiple times too that that the game just isn't that hard. Yeah, that basketball just isn't that hard. You have space. You just are smart about it. You know when to drive. You know when to pass. You know when to shoot. Um, the the fact that he's not saying it's going to take some time to learn the game or, I, or it's going to take time for me to do this or that. The fact that he's just this confident and is and is really just showing off, you know, his abilities without worrying about how he's going to play or what shots to take or whatever that he just already knows that and is confident in his ability uh, is just really special. And I think it's a far cry from what we saw to Jarrett Culver last year. Yeah. Um, but man, if we keep getting this Jarrett Culver. Well, well yeah, well, that, I, I mean, that was my, mine. That kind of, yeah, that kind of goes into my next thing too, which yeah, was just yeah. that Culver in the bench, uh, the bench yeah. was absolutely phenomenal tonight for Minnesota. Again, because um, that would do it against yeah. Detroit as well. Again, the the bench Wolves bench tonight, fifty three percent from the field on thirty six attempts, eight of thirteen from three, forty nine <laughs> points, nine assists, and just two turnovers. That's so. That's awesome. Pretty My. hard to understate how incredible the Wolves um, the Wolves have been. Uh, the Wolves bench has been, and just the energy that they've infused. Uh, how they they really brought the Timberwolves back and kept them afloat in the first game against Detroit, and then really just I mean broke the game open when they were playing tonight against Utah. Yeah, um, and I I feel like a broken record because this was the same stuff that I raised about in the post game pod last game. But like Culver is a man reborn. He he he's leading that that second unit, and it should be we all thought it was going to be Ruby or Rubio or maybe Edwards, and and they're both playing pretty well, but. It's Culver who's the the glue there. He's the the heart and soul of that bench unit, and and he was everywhere again. He was five of seven from the field, hit all three of his triples like we spoke about. He, I thought he was really good on the glass on both ends. He had a few really timely offensive rebounds. One was off his own miss, and then another where he kind of just swooped in and created another possession, and and Minnesota ended up scoring on on that possession. Um, and then just making things really uncomfortable for the Jazz's ball handlers on defense. I just, I'm the first one to, to eat crow here. And, you know, I couldn't see this kind of rise coming from Culver. And I certainly didn't see it too, you know, coming two games into the season and, and the preseason as well, but just uh, the rise coming straight away in his, in his sophomore year. Um, there could be regression coming. I hope there's not, but, but right now it's so, so encouraging for JC and, it's just it's we were we were on you know this podcast what three four weeks ago saying that that maybe he should start in the G League or you know you got to move him at the first chance possible to to open up space for the other wings uh, open up minutes for them and now it's you know I feel stupid saying that because he's an integral part of this team and a really integral part of the bench. Yeah, exactly, and uh, the the fact that he's able to I mean that he just it's so apparent how much more confidence he has this year than last. Yeah. Um, 
is just incredible. <laughs> I, I I just am speechless. I'm sitting here the the motor the my brain is just going too fast for for my mouth to to say enough positive things about Jarrett Culver. Um, yeah. He multiple times. I think he had a few offensive rebounds tonight uh, that were really big. I, th- I want to say he had two or three three offensive yeah. rebounds yeah, tonight. That was a, yeah, um, that's what I was that, just saying. Those two that I was just talking about, they um they were huge. One one was a kick out to Russell for a wide open three that he missed. Yeah. But um, another uh, one he, he got. Yeah. He, an- Another one he dumped off to Cat for a bucket, yeah. which yeah, was big. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just being able to to do that, uh, th- those little things make such a huge difference. And especially when you have a lead and you're trying to preserve it, um, are are incredible. Um, yeah. But did you I, I've did used, you have I've any used other that ones? Word, I've used that word again and again and again. But <laughs> man, I, I like you said, I couldn't be happier to to eat crow about Jarrett Culver and and just move forward. Um, almost expecting Jarrett Culver to continue to play very well. Whereas last year, I think whenever Jarrett Culver had a good game, we always just kind of were like, eh, okay, Jarrett, like, let's see you do it again. <laughs> but, but now that he's legitimately had five very good games in a row now, um, just it is going to be such a huge, huge thing for the wolves. And, and I tweeted this out earlier um, and, and I just want to go back to it before before we we kind of move on here, um, just about how deep the Timberwolves are. Yeah, it's unheard so of. I, so I think the Timberwolves; these are the teams that I can say right now for sure the Timberwolves are are deeper than. I think the Timberwolves are deeper than Golden State, yeah, Memphis, definitely. yeah, San Antonio, yeah, Sacramento, yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> City, well, Denver. Yeah. New Orleans and Houston. So that right there is one is eight teams. So and all the teams that you're that you're likely battling for that playoff spot, or at exactly. least the play-in. And spot. if you're de- and I think the bench, I think good benches can can go a long way in determining whether or not you make the playoffs. Just because I think depth matters a lot more in the regular season than it does in the playoffs. Um, but but man, oh man, if the Timberwolves can be better than those eight teams right there. I mean, you're looking at a seven seed. Yeah, and, at, and at worst. And that's the thing is all the obviously it's early. I, I want to um, you know put that out there before I make this point, and that anything can happen, especially with with these guys who we're considering really strong death pieces. Like we don't know if Culver's going to take this up or if Anthony Edwards is going to be uh, rookie of the year type of player. But like if they keep this up, then all of these predictions that we made, that everyone made. Before the season, they have to be altered because we didn't. We expected Culver to be bad. We expected Anthony Edwards to be that you know the rookie who starts slowly. Yeah, starts slowly and who has the occasional big game and who who's awful, awful on defense and you know you can't um, have good defensive possessions when he's out there. And but that's not the case right now. And if these guys continue like this, the Minnesota have legitimate depth and legitimate depth wins you games. I think it's a great point that they. They win you more games in the regular season because in the playoffs it's you know your best seven players are what matters, not not how good your your ten players are. But the Minnesota Timberwolves aren't worrying about the playoffs right now. They're worrying about you know trying to get there to to, to begin with, and then they can figure it out from there. But Culver and Edwards, I think, are just um, huge bonuses right now and exceeding even my wildest expectations coming into the season. 
Yeah, and, and I understand everybody wanting to pump the brakes, but but there's legitimately zero reason to believe that Jarrett Culver is not going to play with this confidence moving forward, and there's zero reason to believe that Anthony Edwards can't keep up what he's doing. You yeah. know, if Anthony Edwards was shooting like 70% from yeah. three or something, and, yeah. and most of his most of his like improvements were perimeter-oriented, um, or perimeter shooting oriented, I, I think that, you know, this would be a, a much different conversation. But the fact that, that he's just been getting to the rim at will and making really smart plays, um, I, I think that that's, I think that that's really encouraging. And, and just the way that he and Culver are playing, I think is so easy for them to replicate just because it's so built off of confidence. And even if they're not making shots, both of them have still been very effective. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, it might, it might complete, and that's like what we were saying with Cat. Like, if you can play well without shooting seventy percent and scoring thirty points on on ten shots, like that's how you win games because you're not going to do that every night. But if you can impact the game, while you know Anthony Edwards is, I think, shot under fifty percent from the field in both games, and it's felt like he was one of the best players on the court both games. So. You know, that's what I expect from Edwards going forward. And that's not what I expected going into the season. And Culver's the same. I expected him to be a guy who was fighting for minutes. Uh, and probably the guy who was in Hernan Gomez's situation right now where, you know, a couple of bad games see him pretty much eliminated from the rotation. But instead, he's he was the first guy off the bench tonight. Like, he was the last guy off the bench in the first game and he was the first guy off the bench this game to come in and to, to check Donovan Mitchell. Like... There's responsibility heaped onto him right now. And um, Anthony Edwards shot 8 of 12, sorry. So he did shoot well over 50% tonight. But like you said, that's from getting to the rim. And um, I just think that, that these two playing well is such a huge boon for this team. It's 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 unreal. And my expectations for the team have, have definitely gone up a notch or two if they can keep playing like this. 100%, man. I'm right there with you. And, you know, tomorrow is going to be, a, or today, depending on if people are listening to this, um, <laughs> is going to be a great test for the Timberwolves against the Lakers. Um, yeah. Anthony Davis yeah. is questionable um, with ankle and with an ankle and calf injury. Um, and so I wouldn't su- be surprised if, if he didn't play, um, just because I think he's, he's kind of gotten hit in the back of the leg and rolled his ankle a couple of different times in their first two games. And it's still the so Timberwolves. If, like, if they're looking at the schedule, they're thinking, well, it's the Timberwolves. Like, we should be able to beat the Timberwolves with LeBron James, uh, even without AD. So it yeah, seems, and seems I, probably and I, pretty likely he doesn't play. Yeah, and if he doesn't play, the Timberwolves, there is no reason why the Timberwolves can't win that game. Yep. You know, the yeah. Timberwolves might struggle a little bit with Montrez Harrell, but, um, or Ed, or Nas Reed might, but Nas Reed is a big physical dude who can get in front of him. And, yeah. and if AD's out, I think it takes a lot of pressure off, off the Timberwolves to, you know, find somebody to guard him. I think Josh Kogi would probably be the guy that you try and have guard him, maybe. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to put Cat on him. Um, but man, oh man, if the Timberwolves somehow, if Anthony Davis doesn't play and the Timberwolves somehow walk out of that stretch with a three and L record, and then uh, and then who do who do they play after that? And then I think they play Clippers, the Clippers, Clippers yeah. on Tuesday. So yeah. if they walk out of that three and one, yeah, well that's if two, you if you if you beat Lakers, you can allow yourself that slip up against the Clippers, and all, and you're still on cloud nine. And then you come down and you play. The Timberwolves, or you play the Wizards at home, 
on yeah. Friday, um, which I will be in attendance for, which will be a lot of fun. Um, Big time. Big time. On, on Friday. Um, and then you have a home-and-home home with the Nuggets. Yeah, they you, always and, play a good game. It's always a good game between the Wolves and the and, Nuggets. Even and, with when, how, and with how poor that Nuggets – I don't know if you've watched the Nuggets, but I've gotten yeah, a chance to watch both yeah. of the Nuggets games so far. That bench is terrible. And they aren't defending at all at the moment. No, like they've always been Jamal, pretty bad, but they've been and, terrible. And if Jamal Murray isn't on – that team is going to if if one of Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. is not on, that team is I think could struggle to win games. Um, so and, we're pre- so we're predicting seventy two and zero pretty much at this point. <laughs> yeah, I just think so. I I just want to kind of finish this thought. So if they if they end up on this road trip three and one or even two and two, and then I think that they'd beat the Wizards. I I don't think that they. You know, with Jarrett Culver and Josh Kogi, I think you can slow down. Um, I think you can slow down Russ and Beal enough to a point where you force other guys to beat you. So let's let's pencil a minute at three and two after those games. I think that they'll beat the Nuggets twice. I really do. I think that you, if you win two out of three in that stretch against the Nuggets and Blazers, so then what does that put you at? That puts you at five and two. And that's the stretch. It's, it's at about the, I don't know if we're up or to five and just, three. That, that puts you at five and three. And then you have a home and home with the Spurs and a home and home with the Grizzlies and then yeah. the Hawks and the Magic. I, I think the Timberwolves could very legitimately start like seven and three or eight and three. Yeah, that'd be huge because there's that, it's that stretch uh, with, at the Spurs. I start at that Spurs game where that's a very, there's a very winnable 10 game stretch in there. And, and then I'll, you and then you've almost played twenty games in a shortened season, and you're kind of like obviously there's a long way to go. But you, if you if you get off to a start where you're well above five hundred in the first you know eighteen twenty games, like there's a real chance that that that's just you know you now that you can just win I'll, most games. I'll I'll rifle it off, and this is why I think the Timberwolves have a legitimate case to make the playoffs here already. So if it, so. From the Spurs, okay, starting with the Spurs on on Saturday, January 9th, you have two against the Spurs, two against the Grizzlies, two against the Hawks, one against the Magic, Pelicans, two against the Warriors, one against the 76ers, and then two against the Cavs, two against the Thunder, and one against the Spurs. Yeah. So that's a stretch of, that's a stretch of 15 games. 15 games where the Timberwolves like could very, is a, is very feasibly there. win 12 of those games. Yeah, yeah. And by that, if you if you go through this stretch that we're on right now, the start of the season stretch, and you come out of it, you know, 5-3 and three or 5-2 and two, like you just said, and then you go 12-3, and three, like, like it, it probably doesn't happen because it's the Minnesota Timberwolves and, you know, we... Um, we are accustomed to losing, but like at that point, where you know, like what are you twenty and five or something? Like that's you're a playoff team then. If you're twenty and five start the season, you're a playoff team, and that's the bottom line. But, yeah, and then, and I don't think they start that. Obviously, I think they probably go in that ten game stretch, like nine and six or ten and yeah. five. But yeah. even that, starting out the season, even there. even starting out the season like twelve and seven or twelve yeah. and six or something like that. Um still gives the Timberwolves a lot of games to play with uh, moving forward in a pretty big cushion that I think is going to be, is going to be big time for them. Um, if they can kind of catch, catch any type of rhythm 
and and just continue to have this confidence and know that the way that they play is going to be successful. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Have you got any more good things you want to finish off on before we get out of here? Um, I think that we pretty much covered everything that, that I wanted to touch on. Um, the only thing I think that the, yeah, the, the two other things that I wanted to mention, um, was I, I think Nas Reed is holding up very well, um, at the backup five spot. I, I really hope that he's okay. And that shoulder of his is okay. Um, but he's had some re- flashes of some really, really solid defense against, you know, tonight he had a great possession against Donovan Mitchell, um, it ended in a Mitchell and one, but that wasn't his fault whatsoever. Um, and, and if he can kind of continue to protect the rim the way he has been and, and make some threes, you know, he made two threes tonight. Um, that's going to be big. And then um, D'Lo just obviously being a big time shot maker in the fourth quarter is is really special. The fact that we saw Cat completely take over the first game and then we saw D'Lo completely take over the last five minutes tonight. You know, he had nine points in the last five minutes tonight is is awesome. And then my last quick header, um, I, I saw that Dane Moore tweeted this out, but um, the Timberwolves started defending the pick and roll a little bit differently tonight than they had before. Um, so they had they had three guys defending the pick and roll where they'd have the weak side help guy come step up and and have someone on the back have someone on the back end fill in that strong side corner. Yeah, because usually they stay home in the corners. Um, yeah, and kind of leave it as a two man coverage, uh, which I know you and Dane talked about on on his pod the other day, which I thought uh, was really kind of eye opening. And then you're right tonight they they did bring that helper in, and I think you need that, especially when they're D'Lo Towns picking roles. The the helper means a lot, and obviously he has a lot of responsibility to get back to the corner and to to cover up a lot of space. But uh, you need to help Towns. I don't think you can leave him and and Russell on an island for too many possessions. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Yeah, I was just going to say that I thought your other point was that maybe we sold uh, D'Lo a little bit short in this podcast because we didn't really speak about him that much. But, like, again, just huge nuts. Like, that man just has huge nuts. He hits big shots. There was the, the stretch where Towns uh, was out with the injury and, and getting checked out, and he hit three leaning, fading um, mid-range jumpers that kind of kept Minnesota afloat because there was you could feel you could feel the dread you know in the air as soon as Towns went out where it was like not only is Towns pretty injured here but Minnesota also about to blow this game in in three minutes you know and that's what we're used to when Towns isn't on the floor and that's why Gerson Roses went and got another uh, bucket getter and another guy who can carry an offense for stretches because he he in that small little uh, window where Towns was off he won him that game just by being an offensive uh, fulcrum and someone who can run an offense through when Towns isn't out there. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think the D'Lo that, that we saw down the stretch of that one game where he cooked us for 50 last year, <laughs> where he just kept making big shot after big shot, um, to be able to have that guy in, in our uniform is, is just the best. And, and the fact that he had no fear and just went right to work once, once cat left, um, is, is something that that's really encouraging. And the fact that, that he knows that, that Carl's the guy and last game they played through that, him and today yeah. they went through D'Lo is awesome. Um, yeah, that, and, that's, and that, that's huge because he's always been a, you know, since he kind of had his breakout in Brooklyn, he's always been that guy who's the first option and he's got a lot of flack for not uh, being a good enough first option, I guess, or being kind of inefficient and not getting to the rim enough. And 
like it's so encouraging to see that he just accepted his role as the second best player on this team and he's willing to step up and be the best player when he has to like that's I love the buy-in from D'Lo so far yeah I mean it was the way he started and the way he finished he took over at the start of the game and took over at the end of the game and and when he set the tone and and kind of confirmed the tone later on I think that's that's just the sign of a big-time player and a big-time shot maker and and you know I'm I'm just I'm just glad D'Lo's on our team yeah. Um, and, and one last note that I want to make, I just saw a, t- a tweet here from Jace Frederick, who's the Timberwolves writer for the Pioneer Press um, and Cats, uh, Cats late game, excuse me, Cats post game, post game comments here about his wrist. Uh, it's pretty sore, pretty, pretty, pretty sore. Uh, I really came back. I couldn't catch or anything. So I was really just there. Uh, more just to be a distraction on the court. I was there if my team needed me. I didn't want to quit the game, end quote. Um, and then he he continued on saying, quote, I don't want to speak ahead. We'll get further testing. I'm just going to stay. I'm, I'm going to just stay positive. Stay positive. It's only right. I hurt my wrist in 2020. Shit just goes <laughs> sideways for me all the time. Keep it positive, end quote. So that that doesn't sound too too encouraging. Uh, it sounds kind of similar to to what we to what happened last year with Cat, but you know, hopefully he's able to ice up and, and and be ready to go ready to go for tomorrow. Yeah, well, um, yeah, there's no point speculating too much. Like like he said, I guess you just wait for these these tests. I I was a little bit worried because I know yeah, like last season he he did play multiple games. I think after hurting the wrist and then was ruled out as the pain kept getting worse. So. Hoping for the best for Towns, that would be a pretty big blow to all the, the optimism that we've been chatting about now. But I think that, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I think tonight was a good night. I don't want to sour it too much with with the Towns injury worries. So, uh, as usual, Jack, um, you killed it here tonight. Kill it on Twitter. Go follow him on Twitter at jrborman13. And, um, yeah, thanks for always being available for a show, dude. Absolutely, man. It's always a good time to be with you, especially... <laughs> especially after after a big win link tonight and um and you're the best man i mean that and uh, i always appreciate the time thanks dude um everyone else like rate comment subscribe all that good stuff and um i'll try and get another show out tomorrow after the lakers game hopefully after another win